Well, good morning. It's a joy to be with you on this Memorial Day weekend where we remember those who gave their lives for our freedom. So I hope you have a wonderful weekend celebrating and remembering what has been accomplished for us. If you have a Bible, find Matthew chapter 11. As Pastor Eric mentioned a moment ago, if you're a guest, if this is your first time, we're so grateful that you would take some time out of your weekend to join us for worship this morning. My name's Zach, if I haven't had the chance to meet you, and I would love to meet you. So come find me at the end of the service out here by the main doors. I'd love to say hello and introduce myself to you. We are in part five of our series called Come and See. We're studying verses 28, 29, and 30 of Matthew chapter 11. And in part one of the series, we were challenged or we were reminded that we can respond to the invitation from the one who cares about us the most. Jesus says in that first verse, he says, come to me. And so Jesus is inviting each and every one of us to come to him this morning. In part two, we were given a reminder that we were made to come to Jesus. In part three, we learned that when we do our part to come to him, he will do his part to give us rest. And then last week, Pastor Eric pointed out that to be in the yoke of Jesus, we need to be his apprentice, and that the yoke of Jesus brings freedom, and any other yoke brings bondage. And so that brings us this morning to our text here in Matthew chapter 11. We'll start reading together with verse 28. Jesus says, come to me, there's the invitation, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And this is our focus verse this morning. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I want you to think about this question. What image comes to mind when you hear the word gentle? What comes to mind? Maybe it's, um, maybe there are a few different people come to your mind. Maybe it's your grandmother. Your grandmother just seems to always be so sweet and so gentle. Maybe your grandmother's not sweet and gentle, but most grandmas are sweet and gentle. And usually they're really good cooks, which is always nice. It's good to have a sweet and gentle grandma who makes really good cake and cookies and cheesecakes and things. It's always nice. Or maybe it was a teacher from school. Maybe that teacher, you were struggling with a specific subject or you were really having a hard time with something, something challenging that you were studying and learning. For me, it was math and every other subject, but I really struggled in math. And so, but that teacher was so awesome that they spent time answering your questions they gave you, you know, pointers and, 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 and ways to do it in a way, but they, did it. they didn't get angry. They didn't make you feel dumb. They didn't make you feel less than, but they were gentle. But there's also a couple other options. Maybe it's a boss. Maybe you work for someone who's extremely gentle. When you make a mistake, they, uh, they're kind. They don't freak out, but they just gently help you correct, fix it and get better. For me, there's a couple of different people that come to mind, but there's one person that stands out in the most recent years as someone who I witnessed being extremely gentle. 
Many of you know who Howard Ream is, Pastor Cedric, who was on our staff. It was his father-in-law. Howard Ream uh, went on to be with Jesus a few months ago, um, and we praise the Lord for his testimony and the fact that he knew Christ. But I can remember how he was so, when he cared for Shirley after she had a series of surgeries, his wife Shirley, uh, she had a back surgery and then several other procedures that took place in, in a short span of time. And I just remember how, how he would help her get around wherever they were. And he would push her wheelchair and help her get up on her walker. And he would wait for her while she would talk to people in the lobby. He was just incredibly gentle and loving. And I'm going to always remember that about him. Now, maybe for you, gentleness comes easy, but I think for the majority of people in the room, gentleness is not something that comes easy. And for me, gentleness, gentleness does not come naturally. It does not come very easily to me. Now, Brittany, my best friend in the world who I've been married to for 19 years and eight months, she says that I get better with being gentle as I get older. Now, like many of you, I'm sure there are times where I wish I had been more gentle, specifically in areas of discipline with my children or having those conversations with my kids or, or during an argument with Brittany or having a hard talk with a friend. We'd probably all wish that we could redo some things or even redo some years when it comes to gentleness. You see, one of the biggest gentleness motivators for me is simply thinking back to what I looked like and sounded like and made someone feel like at a time when I'd been anything but gentle. I wish those that I loved didn't have those memories of me. But I am thankful for, for grace and for years that I hopefully have ahead of me to make better memories and give even more love. And I hope that you would say that you desire the same. But there is another side to this. There's another side to gentleness that, that we can see that, that there are things that sometimes happen to gentle people. They get ridiculed. A, a gentle person gets stepped on. They get laughed at. They get left behind. And if, and if you're thinking in the flesh, that's just not for us. That's not for me. Too often being gentle is one that could be easy for us to pass on. The dictionary and even our culture define gentle with moderate words like mild, moderate, delicate, even going so far to use descriptions like soft and inferior. And this is a real problem. It's a big problem for me because none of us, I don't think any of us, want to be looked at or described as soft or inferior. We've already decided or we have seen it happen so many times what happens to people who are soft and kind or looked at as inferior. But I think we could all agree that it matters much less what the world says about gentleness and much more on what the Lord says about being gentle. So how does the Bible define the word gentle or the process of gentleness? Well, to be gentle biblically is to have a mildness of disposition, a gentle spirit or meekness. Now, there are quite a few Bible verses on these words, these, these words, gentleness and meekness. They show up interchangeably. But to sum it all up, it is who Jesus was and it's who Jesus is. 
And so I want to look back at verse 29, where Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Now you can see this gentleness of Jesus in the events that lead up to his crucifixion. He didn't fight his arrest. He didn't, he didn't fight all the way to the cross and his execution. Jesus was gentle and Jesus was very humble in heart. But that certainly doesn't mean that Jesus was, was weak. In fact, what we know of Jesus and what the scriptures record that Jesus, he had actions that, that seemed anything but weak and gentle, like turning over the tables in the temple when they had made his house a, a, a marketplace and not a place of worship. Or when he calls the Pharisees a brood of vipers or sons of hell. Like, it doesn't seem super gentle, right? I mean, it doesn't seem super, oh, it's not politically correct, that's for sure. Jesus would have been canceled in 2022, that's for sure. But gentle, gentleness is not weakness. It's not passivity. It doesn't mean that, that we have to be someone else's doormat. No, after we look at Jesus, we see that gentleness is a posture of the heart. Now, there are many times that we we must be bold, where we need to stand up for the weak. We need to fight against injustice. Gentleness is not a call to pacifism. But this boldness, it, it doesn't come from a place of anger or a desire for things like revenge. It's not harsh and it's, it's not unrelenting. It doesn't refuse to understand the situation. There is zero motivation for things like entitlement or being self-absorbed. It's not about how much boldness we have, but how we use it for right or if we use it for wrong. So it becomes clear that gentleness is a mindset that can also come alongside being firm and clear and direct. I love what Paul says about this posture of our hearts in, in Philippians chapter two, verse four. It says, let us not look to our own interests, but also to the interests of others. And you know what that means. Gentleness says, it's not all about me. You see, a, a call to gentleness, it means that we are to be yielded, teachable, and responsive, first of all, in our relationship with Jesus Christ himself. Then, as a result of, of that being yielded and teachable, we become gentle and humble and meek. We become rest, respectful in our relationships with the people who are around us. Now, I think most of us have heard this phrase. If you have it, you're gonna hear it right now. But if the, the, the phrase is this, is that if you're not right with God, you won't be right with people. And to some extent, I, I think that's true. That it's, it's that person that you're thinking of right now who is anything but gentle. You know, how does the way that they treat you, the way they talk to you, how do those things make an impression on what you imagine their posture and their relationship with God to be like? When we encounter people who are not gentle, we might think that that's an outward indication that they are not very gentle and yielded to God. 
That's why we have to live out Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 and 14, where it says that we were called to freedom, but we're not to use our freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love we are to serve one another, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word, that you should love your neighbor as yourself. So we need to be gentle, that's for sure. Jesus models this for us. But there's another word that shows up in verse 29 that we cannot overlook. It's the word lowly. We have to discuss this word. It's really, really important. Jesus says, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Now that word could also be translated as humble and the majority of our Bible translations do. It's a more accurate view of the word that's seen in the the Greek and Hebrew, but it really means a, a lower view of self or importance. Jesus once again models this for us so beautifully And Paul writes about it in Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. It says, He, Jesus, emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. Jesus emptied himself by becoming a servant. Now, there's a beautiful picture of this in the New Testament. We're not going to turn there, but you could write it down to maybe look at later. But it's found in John chapter 13. It's a beautiful picture of this Philippians chapter 2 being made visible. That there's this moment where Jesus is is sitting with his disciples in what would end up being the last meal that they would have together. And and Jesus gets up and he he does something pretty important. He grabs a servant's garment or an apron, and he, he, he ties that around his waist, and then he, he gets down on his knees, and, his, and he starts washing the feet of the disciples. And this just blew the robes right off of the disciples. I mean, they were, they were just blown away for a moment. What, Jesus, Jesus, whoa, what are you doing? And of course it makes sense to us now as we read Peter, and we see how Peter acted and how he responded so often in the storyline of Scripture. But Peter is, he objects to this in, 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 major, in a very vocal way. He says, Jesus, whoa, whoa, you are our teacher. You're the leader. You're the rabbi. You should not be down here washing our feet. And really what Peter was saying, if we wanted to sum this up, is Jesus, you are just simply above this. You are more important than a servant. And Jesus basically responds, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he basically says, Peter, if you want to be a part of what I'm doing, then I'm going to wash your feet. And it's going to be a lesson for you, but it's going to be a literal, visible lesson for you. But there is something that I want to point out. It's interesting, Peter, Peter wasn't wrong in his objection. If anyone was above washing dirty, stinky feet, it was Jesus Christ. Because we know he was God. He was God in the flesh. He could have descended from heaven and he could have demanded that you and I worship him. He could have done whatever he wanted because he was God, but that was exactly the point that Jesus was trying to make in John chapter 13. Peter, I may be above this. Absolutely, you're right. But I, God, I came to do something different. I came to seek and I came to save and I came to serve and you must do the same. So, 
what about us? What does this say to you and I this morning? Because Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And what he's reminding us of here is we should take his yoke and we should learn from him. If you're a note taker or you make notes in your Bible, I would encourage you to highlight or underline the words take and the word learn. These are, these are words that, that are, are very important to me as I read scripture because it reminds me that there is something that I'm required to do. But here's, here's what Jesus is reminding us of, that gentleness should be on display in us. Others should be able to point out and identify it in our lives. So is it in you and in me? Is gentleness in us? Because gentleness is a choice. You have to make a choice to be gentle. It doesn't just happen, I promise. You'll never accidentally become gentle. It would be so nice if it was an accident, wouldn't it? Whoa, I just woke up and I just, I was gentle all day. I didn't do anything different. I was just gentle. It doesn't come naturally for 99% of us. But you know what it is? Is it's the work of the Spirit in us. As we all know in Galatians 5, it's listed as one of the fruits of the Spirit that our Christian lives should be able to be identified by believers and non-believers alike by this fruit that is visible in us. But we don't just get up and, and try to muster up the strength to do it. The Spirit is living inside of us and He equips us and enables us to choose to do them. It's a beautiful thing that I can offer prayer to my God and I can say, God, I am struggling today. Give me the strength to be gentle. And He will give it to you. I love what Paul says in Ephesians 4. He says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, we are to bear with one another in love. In Colossians 3 verse 12, it says that we are to put on as God's chosen people, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. It's a decision that is made ahead of time. We don't have to wait until a tough circumstance we, we all can see, and I don't have to, I, I mean, I, I'm going to say it, but I, it's, you already know it. The temperature around us is changing. The political climate is changing. The social climate is changing. And it's, it's not going to stop changing. And so things are still challenging, but we should look different than the social and the political narratives that we see. Our lives should point to Jesus. We all know that. But if we reflect back on last week, how many of us could say that we lived in such a way that pointed back to Jesus? You see, the choice is in complete opposition to the culture. The choice to be gentle is in complete opposition to the message that the world is sending us. But the good news is this, is we can all make an effort and we can all grow in gentleness by walking as a child of God. 
Ephesians 4, I read a portion of this, says that we are prisoners of the Lord and Paul urges us to walk in a manner that is worthy of the calling to which we have been called, but we are to do it with all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love, but we do it in, a, in an eager way to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Ephesians 5 says that we are to be imitators of Christ as his child. So in what areas can we as Christ followers be gentle? Well, we could, we could just say every area, and that's true. But maybe we should start with being gentle in how we share the gospel. Yes, there's a reality of, of, of hell that is the, the, the penalty for our sin. It was the penalty for my sin. And, and we can communicate that truth because you can't know Christ apart from knowing why you need him. So we, we must share what Christ has done for us by giving his life on the cross and paying the price for our sin. But we can do that in a very gentle and kind and compassionate way. Maybe we could throw, we could throw things like uh, how we talk to others and how we talk about others on that list. And being gentle in how we represent their character and who they are. Maybe we should be gentle in those areas. Maybe uh, you could just throw in the marriage thing here. The parenting thing. I won't rabbit trail that too long because we all could write a book on how we struggled if we're married and have kids. We could also be gentle in how we serve Christ and his church. So we need to take on the gentle heart of Jesus. And we never reflect the heart of Jesus more than when we're gentle. And next, we need to seek humility. Now, I don't know, I don't know if people fully understood this, the significance of what was happening in John 13 in the moments that those things were taking place. But years later, Peter is writing what we call 1 Peter chapter 5, and he, he pens some thoughts and he writes in 1 Peter 5, verse 5, that we should clothe ourselves, all of us should clothe ourselves with humility toward one another. That phrase, clothe yourselves, it literally ties into what Jesus did in John 13, where he tied something around himself. We are to tie around us a servant's garment. That's what Peter is referring to. Now, I've mentioned this before, and, and I, I, want, I want to bring it up again because it was so impactful for me. That what Jesus, or what Peter is saying here to you and to me, is that in regards to our relationships with one another and our posture toward one another, it should be that of a servant. That we should put on a servant's garment just like Jesus did. So here's what humility does. Humility reminds us that we are not above anyone else. Humility helps us think rightly about who we are, about ourselves. Before God and before each other, we should know our place through the filter of humility. Humility helps us see the greatness and the bigness of God and then respond appropriately. 
Jesus gives us a command in John chapter 13 that we are to love one another as he has loved us. It's, it's really hard to do that. Actually, it is impossible to do that without humility leading the way. You see, humility looks to serve. It protects relationships, not just our reputation. Humility causes us to serve, but humility gives us purpose. You see, when we put on humility, it affects the posture of our heart. When we put on humility, it also influences the work of our hands. It's, it, it's a mobilizing thing. It inspires us. It inspires you and I to, to make the first move, even when we're just a tiny bit wrong. Humility, it also seeks out reconciliation with another person. Rather than just sitting back and waiting for it, it also extends forgiveness to someone who has wronged you. That's what humility does. That's what Jesus modeled for us. Humility is being willing to admit our faults and our wrongdoings, which explains a lot of our conflicts and our issues relationally because humility is not leading the way. So is humility leading the way because it gives us purpose. It was the very humility of Jesus that, that mobilized him to come down from heaven and to save you and to save me. It's a radical humility that has purpose. So will you commit to join me in pursuing and clothing ourselves with humility? Peter finishes that passage in, in 1 Peter 5 with kind of some harsh language. He says, all of you should clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That word opposes is not a nice word. It's not nice in English, but it's really not nice in Greek because it means to set oneself against. God will set himself against our pride. Now call me crazy, but that sounds like a really bad idea. I don't wanna have God set himself against me. But God hates pride and he hates it in you and he hates it in me. And the reason why he hates pride so much is because the greatest act of love that this world has ever seen or will ever know is when he came to this earth through the person of Jesus in humility and he came and took on human flesh in humility and he died the death that we deserved. And we should reflect him. And we reflect him when we are humble. And the best news of all is he gives grace and he shows favor to the humble. Here's what we know. That we never reflect the heart of Jesus more than when we are gentle and humble. We never reflect the heart of Jesus more than when we are humble and gentle. But I love how verse 29 ends. 
He says, and you will find rest for your souls. Soul rest. Jesus is is not adding to our burdens this morning, but he is giving our souls rest. Now, our series comes from Matthew chapter 11, but in, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says something significant. He says, the gate, for the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. That when we follow Christ, it brings difficult circumstances our way. We know that's true. We know that persecution of Jesus' followers has been around since the beginning. We know that hard times accompany the Christian, that when we live this life, that there are difficult seasons. We know that to be true. John 16, makes it very evident. But what we see in Matthew chapter 11 is a different kind of perspective. He says, you will find rest for your souls. Pastor Eric mentioned this last week, but being yoked to Jesus brings our soul rest. Jesus is making eternity the focus in this statement. There's two different types of rest that he's pointing out. There's rest from the journey in verse 28, and there's soul rest in verse 29. We don't have to earn anything. That can never be accomplished. Jesus offers something better, something easier. Jesus offers freedom, but it's not a freedom from commitment. The yoke is still there. There are still demands from our God, but like we heard last week from 1 John 5, 3, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Jesus will always carry the ultimate burden of our sin and his spirit will enable us to do his will. So how are you doing when it comes to gentleness this morning? I want you to think about that for just a second as as we're wrapping up our time together. I want you to think back to this past week, the conversations that you had with your spouse or your kids or your coworkers or your employees or even your friends. How would they rate you on a gentleness meter? I'm going to ask you to take it even a step further this morning, and it's going to be uncomfortable. But when you get home today, I want you to ask those who are closest to you. Ask your littles in the car today as you're driving home. Do you guys think that dad is gentle? Do you think that mom is gentle? Tell your friends at work tomorrow. It's going to be weird and awkward, and you probably won't do it. But tell your friends at work tomorrow, your pastor asked them to rate you on a scale of one to five on how gentle you are. But don't be offended. Let them be honest. And if you're surprised, ask them for examples. Ask them for a time that they can remember when you were gentle. And then if you have wrongs to make right, do it. If you have forgiveness to ask for, do that as well. Because we never reflect the heart of Jesus more than when we're gentle and humble. Is there anything better to do than that? Is there anything better this morning for us than to reflect the heart of Jesus? So let us be a people who take his yoke and learn from him. Because he is gentle. 
and he is lowly in heart and he will give us rest. It's a promise. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't have that relationship with Jesus Christ. You don't know him as your savior. Jesus gently and humbly came to this earth to die for you. And you may think that you're special or you're important here on earth. But you're not. But Jesus came for you to give you purpose, to give you life. And I hope that you will call on him to save you. At the end of our service, we'll have some deacons and their wives over here to my left, your right, and they would love to have a conversation with you about the gospel. They would love to answer any questions that you may have about Jesus and what he came to do for you in humility and gentleness. And if you have anything else that you're struggling with, if you're struggling with being gentle and, and you need someone to pray with you and to maybe offer some accountability, they would love to do that as well. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we're grateful this morning for the opportunity that we've had to gather together. Lord, we're thankful for Jesus and his gospel, the hope that he provides us. God, I pray that we would be a people who take on and reflect the heart of Jesus today. That we would take his yoke and that we would learn from him. And that we would be gentle and humble in heart. That we would reflect the heart of our Savior in our families, workplaces, friendships, marriages, and how we parent. Lord, you'll forgive us when we fall short. You always have. You always will. So help us to own our issues and to pursue you with all that we have. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.